Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Methods to Madness, the fans' take on animation and the companies that make them. So sit back, relax, grab a nice drink, and join the podcast. Hey, everyone, I'm Grace, and um, I'm a graphic design major, and I'm a junior. And I'm the other host, Alex Tabor. I'm also a junior with a graphic design major. And today, for our Methods to the Madness podcast, we will be talking about Disney. Yay. Yeah, because you can't really have an animation podcast without talking about Disney um, as one of the, the forefront of animation. I think when most people think of an animated film, they'll probably mm-hmm. think of something Disney. I know I do because it's something I grew up with. Oh, yeah, it's like quintessential animation. When someone walks down the street and says, hey, animation, generally first one of the first things people think of is Disney. And just like you, I also grew up with a lot of Disney oh, in yeah. my childhood. Definitely. The music, the costumes, wanting to go to the park, all the movies and tons of merchandise and books. And... For whatever reason, I always end up watching a lot of the more B- Disney movies rather than the big ones and liking them. But anyway, so, Grace, what is your favorite Disney movie? Uh, this is a really difficult question for me because there are so many that I enjoy. Um, so I think I'm going to have to answer, like, a couple because I, I can't pick one. I know as a kid my favorite was always Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Um, Aladdin <clears throat> was just fun. I liked all the music. I knew all the songs. I had, like, you know, the Princess Jasmine costume. Yeah. I think I sang A Whole New World at some kind of, like, you know, show when I was a kid. Um, now, though, another one of my favorites that I want to mention is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I didn't watch mm-hmm. that one until I was in middle school, oh, but I really, yeah. really enjoy Who Framed Roger Rabbit mm-hmm. a lot. Um, I think it's, like, a clever concept, and it was executed really well. Yeah, just... No general live action animation. Oh, I always liked how they had Warner Brothers stuff right next to Disney things. But anyway, my like you said, I my tastes in movies and things have also changed a lot over the years. And so the two Disney movies that I generally gravitated towards the most in my childhood was The Emperor's New Groove and That's then cool. for a long time Lion King One and a Half. One and a half. You know, the one where the, it's kinda like uh uh it's Mystery Science Theater 3000 type setup where you have Timon and Pumbaa sitting in a theater watching The Lion King with like a bunch of remotes and screwing around with thing and commentating over half of the stuff. And it was pretty funny. But I watched that one a lot as a kid. Oh, yeah. I've and the second Lion King. I didn't watch the second one quite as much. But the my current favorite one now is actually Zootopia. Oh, right now. that one's a good one. That, that was... Oh, yeah. It touches like. a lot of my. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> it, it was good. It, it's yeah, moving. It makes it made me happy. I'll just leave it at that. It made me happy. Yeah. So, so Disney, it's, it's grown and changed a lot over the years. You had from the early years with Walt, Walt Disney, who had a big hand in a lot of stuff. Then you had things like um. Renaissance and stuff. Yeah, I'd and say most of what I grew up was probably Renaissance era and mm-hmm. onwards, but there were a lot of the classic films, such as you know Sleeping Beauty, uh, Cinderella, Snow White, Pinocchio, that type of thing that I also did grow up with. 
Um, my parents had grown up with some of those, and I think that's a big part of why I also grew up with them, mm-hmm. because they grew up watching those, and so they were like, well, this is something we want to pass on to our kids. Yeah. And I, yeah, I had a similar parent dynamic as well concerning Disney stuff, but instead of the Renaissance stuff, we ended up gravitating more towards like the early 2000s stuff with mm-hmm. things like Atlantis, Lost Empire, and um, Treasure Planet. That was also a big one. Oh, well. I definitely remember growing up with a lot of those as well. My dad's personal favorite movie is Jungle Book, so I remember I watched that mm-hmm. one a lot as a kid. It was actually the last film that Walt Disney worked on before he died. Yeah, yeah. Walt Disney had... He was a very ambitious man. He had... A, he, had he got his hands in the mud of work in every aspect of oh, Disney yeah. Company right from the very start, right up until he died. And uh, beyond animation, he was also able to come up with the idea of the Disney parks. And I think that the Disney parks mm-hmm. really are something else. If you've ever been to one, it's not just a theme park. It really is an experience. And yeah. I think that the reason they're able to pull that off and capture that is not only how they run the park and the way they decorate it and all that type of thing, but also just having all those movies and the nostalgia and things like that that people mm-hmm. associate it with and the name of Disney and the like values they hold really helps make the park a really great place to be. Yeah, and it just, it seems as, as time progressed, Disney's just built itself up more and more to like the gargantuan monster of a company that yeah. it is today. It's even gotten to the point where it's bought out other monster companies like Lucasfilms and Marvel to then uh, absorbed it into its blobby mass of a company. Mm-hmm. And that's oh. definitely helped them because I think all their animated stuff really appeals to a very wide audience, but having those two um, mm-hmm. in particular really expands who they can reach. Yeah, and even with their in-house stuff with things, well, like Zootopia is a good example, but most of the Pixar stuff that they also own as well. It appeals to kids, but it, well, actually, no, it, does, it doesn't just appeal to kids. It appeals to the family, which, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, was also a very big thing that Walt Disney was very um, uh, wanting to push with a lot of Disney's content and everything. I think that's something that Disney definitely has going for them is that when people want to go see things in theaters with their family, sometimes it's hard to find something that everybody can go see together. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the Disney animation movies give people the opportunity to see something that the entire family can enjoy and adults won't feel bored in and kids will also like and understand. Mm -hmm. Well, that isn't to say that Disney hasn't had its shortcomings and stuff with stuff like, I don't know if you remember a little movie called Home on the Range. That... Uh, I do remember that one. I remember liking it the first Did couple it? times when I was like, I think it was directed DVD actually. I'm yeah, not I don't sure. even think it had a theatrical release. I was yeah. going to say, um, but whenever, <laughs> whenever I would suggest watching it to my parents when I was younger, they're like, no, we're not watching that as a family. I know I definitely wore my parents out of wanting to watch certain films, but um, recently when I've gone home to see my parents. We have gotten in together and been like, hey, who wants to watch Tarzan or Aladdin or Mulan? And we still will watch those together. So Disney's definitely done a good job with some of their other films, and they've held up very well over the years, and we still mm-hmm. enjoy watching those together. Yeah, and well, and it's just not within us, our families and stuff. It's 
they've more or less built a culture around their animation and what they do in just the Disney experience, like you said mm -hmm. earlier, that is around the parks, just kind of, you know, you could say emanates from a lot of their work yeah. and oozes off onto other people. Yeah. It's kind of the Disney culture. You could see it a lot in the Renaissance where they're kind of establishing the whole Disney princess formula type thing. Oh, yeah. And it's grown so much to, it's looped around to the point where they're now making fun of their own uh, Disney princess formula stuff like Tangled and Frozen, especially where they're, uh, where big, like, thematic parts of the movie were hammering. Another um, one that was big with that, though it's not fully animated, it's only animated for the first portion, is mm -hmm. Enchanted also. Definitely yes. goes for, against those tropes. And even Moana, they made a couple of jokes about the Disney Princess formula, although they did mm -hmm. adhere to it, so that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, if, I believe we were talking about this the other day before the podcast. We're talking, we're comparing Moana with Pocahontas and how a lot, I believe you said, Moana and Pocahontas like follow similar like directions, but with the execution, Moana just really tops all really like yeah. expand more on I that. had watched a video on YouTube by Nostalgia Chick about um, Pocahontas and why Pocahontas is a hot mess. It's a great video. I highly recommend mm -hmm. checking it out. And they she basically said that they're almost the same type of movie, and they're definitely going for the same theme and the same journey and character arc overall, but where Pocahontas failed spectacularly, Moana was well executed and well done. Mm -hmm. Not my favorite Disney movie, but I can definitely agree and see how they did her journey a lot better than they did with Pocahontas's. Yeah, Moana has been one of those movies that, I, that I'd like to go see, but just, for whatever reason, got my Yeah, it took me a while to get in to see it. Uh, I didn't see it in theaters. I tried, but I, it didn't happen. And eventually, I watched it with some of my friends on the floor. We got a projector and we watched it together. Ooh, projector floor showing. Those yeah. are always fun. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> now let me see on my list of things to talk about professionalism. Anyway, <laughs> so in, in a lot of ways, Disney hasn't just impacted culture with the stuff. They've really jumped, like, jumped ahead in establish more or less establishing and revolutionizing the whole animation industry as a whole at the start with uh, their first theatrical full-length release Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs they kind of uh, they more or less proved that the animated theatrical release was financially possible and even like successful is if I remember correctly is wildly successful especially considering it was back in, color in the day too. yeah um, and it was mm -hmm. for the time very realistic as well because prior to that animation was primarily with very odd looking humans or animals animals were very popular in animation and i think the fact that they had the rotoscoping technology and all the references that they used and had so many things that were animated that were realistic seeming and realistic moving was really helpful as well like the dance sequences Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, uh, a lot of the common popular animation from before that, um, uh, you kind of, uh, culture is kind of looped around again, where the kind of animation that was present before Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs has come around to be popular again with things like 
Cuphead. Cuphead is a real good example where it's like got the rubber hose type style of animation where everything's always moving and limbs and everything are all like rubber hosey. Oh yeah, even Disney just a few years before that they had done in one of their silly symphonies and it's called Goddess of Spring telling the story Mm -hmm. of Hades and Persephone. The way the humans move in that is somewhat horrifying. They, you know, they have no bones. They're just kind of, it's very impressive that they came as far as they did in those few years. Um, Again, rotoscoping definitely helped them out a lot Mm -hmm. with that. And then, like, moving down a little bit further toward, uh, a little bit further down the line with the Disney Renaissance, it wasn't so much establishing that on the, the animated movie was successful as much as establishing that it was like not just successful but astronomically successful with uh, as a company and just where it's competing with normal like live action uh, releases and everything. Yeah. To the point where uh, they were even being nominated for as like better than. Mm-hmm. When Beauty and the Beast won, I think it was the Best Picture Award mm-hmm. until that. That was the first animated film that had ever received that um, honor. And that was a big deal because it was something that film critics were saying was timeless. And mm-hmm. it's, I think it's been vaulted in some type of thing as being one of the top best films in general of all time. Um, being such a good, classic, timeless story. And I think that speaks volumes to how hard Disney has worked in the, I guess, the magic that they've created with their films. Something that everybody enjoys and will enjoy mm-hmm. for a very long time. I mean, they just remade it. That's how well yeah. it did. Well, and even, well, me personally, like I saw it not too terribly long ago, but it's like, it's aged really well. I mean, like, I don't like it. Well, it's not that I don't like it. I like it, but it's not, it's personal taste. Mm. I like it, but probably not as much as the guy or, or gal sitting next to me. But Moving on, we got in not too terribly much longer let, uh, uh, with Pixar, with the first fully CGI movie of Toy Story, but Pixar will be another over, week. Yeah, yeah, that'll be next week or following. Yeah, we podcast. wanted to give it its own episode because we feel like their impact and their style and a lot of other things is very different than Disney, although they're pretty closely tied to Disney at the same oh, time. Oh yeah, it's got. Got, we were joking about not too terribly long ago. On um, we were we were talking about Coco, the movie that's coming out in November. You yeah, said? November. yeah, November. We were talking. We we were talking to each other. I think I said that it was Disney, and you said it was Pixar. And then we both were like, "Is it Disney? Is it Pixar?" They kind of the people from both companies work on each other's projects so often that some of them, unless it's explicitly obvious that it's one or the other it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to Story hard to well so. it's hard to remember which is which it is you can see that they definitely borrow from each other in their style just how people look and other things like that mm-hmm. so um, and not just with the way stuff looks with a lot of their storytelling and everything as well as if you i binge watched a bunch of different stuff movies like I watched uh, Star and Seven Dwarfs, Pinocchio, a couple of the Renaissance movies, and then jumped into some of the more recent stuff like Tango Order, Frozen, and Zootopia, that kind of thing. And it's, you can especially tell when 
comparing them side by side, how much the overall like storytelling thematic type stuff has shifted and changed over the over the years, and like they still reflect the time that they've come from. Some of them has aged more than others, but they even the ones that have aged more still hold up. Like Pinocchio is still one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> Yeah, Disney has definitely got a timeless element with some of their films. Some of them they don't quite do as good of a job, but um, there is definitely a lot that I think years to come people will still enjoy them. Mm -hmm. And again, that's why Disney's remaking them is because they were such big hits the first time. They figured, why not try again? Although I will say, I don't think the the live action has held up as will hold up as well. Oh, no. Nor have I enjoyed it quite as much as the animated stuff, but mm -hmm. I don't know. That might be personal preference. I know a lot of kids really like the... Yeah. And perhaps maybe when they grow up, the live action will be what they turn to. But mm -hmm. we'll see. Only time will tell. Yeah. Disney... Kind of, yeah, Disney hasn't done quite as well as with their live action stuff, but I feel like that's more... They're more used to doing the animation stuff because it's like, it's Disney. Yeah, it's and remaking your own stuff is hard because people want it to be the same, but then they kind of want it to be different and... And also, a lot of this stuff just works better animated. If oh, I'm yeah, totally. Honest. totally. And, you know, talking teapots just don't look as good oh, real. They look scary real. Yeah. And it's weird. with a lot. You notice with a lot of animated or even CG, anything that looks awesome or cool or cute and animated, if you then sit down, cool your head, and then think about it, how it would actually look in real life, like, oh, that'd be terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Disney has done a lot of things that work and a lot of things that haven't worked as much. Um, and I think that there are certain instances in which Disney has done better than their competitors, mm -hmm. and that's helped them work better. Um, a good example of this, I think, would be Anastasia and Mulan. Both of them are based off of real stories, um, real people. I know that Mulan and the authenticity of her story have been debated by a lot of people. Uh, I grew up in China, I'm Chinese, and <clears throat> the ballad of Mulan was something I grew up with. I think that she was a real person. I don't know if everything about her story is true or not in the poem, but I think that most people do agree that there was somebody who existed, mm -hmm. who had some type of story maybe similar. Yeah. There's a lot of American legends I know that mm -hmm. are kind of like that. Historical figures. And Anastasia, for a very long time, was also a legend herself. She was a real mm -hmm. person. But we didn't know what happened to her until the mid-2000s, later 2000s, I even, I think. I think I was in middle school. I was in mm -hmm. middle school because we were learning about Russia, and we yeah. had watched a documentary about it, and we had to do some kind of paper or something on that afterwards. And we were doing research, and we found out that her body had actually been discovered. But hmm. when... Um, Fox did their movie Anastasia. No yeah. one knew what happened to her, so they definitely tried to do a fairy tale type. She probably, like, what if she lived and what if she had this grand adventure? Yeah. And while both of them drastically changed the source material, so to speak, I think that Mulan just executed that better. Mm -hmm. Because although it's very different than the poem, it was really well received. And it really worked as a musical, and the themes mm -hmm. and the lessons that they chose to do for it were good. Whereas Anastasia was hard, especially now that we know yeah. the truth. It well, wasn't held up as well. Wasn't wasn't entirely bad per se. I don't know, it's just but that it's not as good. It's not, yeah. And what they changed, I don't think 
worked as well as it did with Mulan. Especially um, one thing to compare between the two is they both have the um, like animal like in Anastasia, it's the little oh, bat, the, the, the talking bat. Yeah, the, the token cute mascot animal. Mm-hmm. And then in Mulan, they had Mushu. And also and, like the cricket, I believe, yes. too. The cricket can speak, though. Yeah, it's more kind Mushu. Of, yeah. Um, but that's a good comparison between the two, is that they both had that like supernatural element. I mean, her ancestors and all that. And then mm-hmm. Anastasia, they had Rasputin being more of a, a villain. Uh, He's, I mean, he was yeah. a villain, too, in real life, although, but he was like a magical villain. Although in... His natural like history, that guy was tough to kill. Oh, he was. But like I think with Anastasia they were like, okay, we'll give it more of the supernatural fairy tale mm-hmm. element. He just doesn't like the yeah. Romanovs because he doesn't like the Romanovs and that's the end of the story. And I think that Mulan again executed that better because the supernatural element worked with the story well and I think it helped it more than hindered it or made it tacky. Whereas Anastasia, which I watched recently, had singing bugs. Did it? Yeah. It's been so long since I've seen that. Although, they sing with Rasputin. Yeah. Although on the subject of the villains of those movies, like, uh, what's, what was the name of the villain? In, uh, all I know is the Mongol leader. In, oh, Shan Yu. Shan Yu. That was his name. It's like, he's the Mongol leader and he's bad. The that's end. kind of, yeah, the end. That's get it. Where in, in history, well, like in actual history, the Mongols were kind of basically like that, but... And it's like, it's not exactly it's not exactly the deepest villain, but you could probably argue that it's historically accurate to an extent. Yeah, just an interesting thing. But on a slightly more technical note, one of the things that I've always appreciated Disney to do is a lot with their character designs, especially even with like Tokeny, even the token like mascot cute animal characters you know like from Mulan you got Mushu from Aladdin you got the monkey the carpet and genie technically but even from the newer ones like Moana you got you have the pig and the rooster but also the coconut things that I don't know the name mm-hmm. of because I haven't seen definitely they definitely marketed the pig a lot which surprised me because if you watch the film the pig mm-hmm. isn't doesn't actually go on the voyage with her really no just wow. the rooster huh. but they marked it they pushed it a lot I remember it's on a lot of merchandise and stuff mm-hmm. but the pig is only with her in the first maybe third of the movie. Oh, wow. More really? or less, yeah. But the other big one that Disney's made recently was uh, Olaf from Olaf, oh, yeah. But the point that I'm wanting to make is that even with, like, these generic token characters who you'd expect to have, like, no personality or nothing, even from, with, like, the pig or the rooster or anything, you can tell, like, they have pers- personality with, like, how they act. Oh, yeah. Even the way, down to the way they look. As opposed to, okay, this maybe some haters out there, but I'm going to speak the truth. That's partially my opinion. I do not like Despicable Me or the Minions. Oh, I, not, I, I'm tired as, of the Minions. Uh, yeah, well, okay. My, it's not so much the writing from those movies that I don't like. This is the big part I don't like about it is the design of a lot of stuff, especially the Minions, where it's like, you don't think of each individual minion as being its own minion. You kind of think of them as a weird collective thing. Hive mind, yeah. And I, they have names and stuff. Yeah, like, they you have. You can't tell them apart. You know that one has one eye, mm-hmm. one has like two eyes, one's shorter or something. But yeah, they don't really have set personalities because they all kind of have a similar personality. Yeah, and you could. Uh, I watched this on a different video that I can't remember the name of 
might have been why minions suck. <laughs> but, but anyway, the designs of the minions are so simple. It's like it's a pill with glasses, arms, and legs. Right. And overalls. Yeah, well, yellow. if you look at it like a silhouette, you can't even tell it's wearing overalls even because it's so <laughs> it's tight. Awesome. Yeah. But anyway, my point is the design is so simple that you don't really get much of it from there. So yeah. from that standpoint, you all you have to do, you, all you have to work from then is how they talk and how they act. Mm. Then with the minions. They talk in a weird, I think they call it banana language, I think, which is just gibberish. It's nothing. So all they have then And like is, random Spanish words. Yeah. And then all they have then to convey any personality is how they act, but they all act the same. Yeah. And as far as minimalistic design goes, I think a good comparison would be Baymax from Big Hero oh, 6. yeah. Because uh, his design is out. also very, very minimalistic. It's mm -hmm. just a big white blob. His head is just... The two eyes and like a line, a between, line in between them. them. Very simple, but and yet they did a very good job conveying the personality yeah. of the character, and I think it just works all around better. So I think you can have simple design, but personality mm -hmm. is really, really important. I think the minions might have worked better if they'd been kind of like the penguins in Madagascar, where there was only three of them. Mm -hmm. Like in the movie, there was mostly yeah. three of them that were featured, but when they added, you know, thousands of them, it became really difficult. Oh, yeah. I know there's a purple one. Oh, that was from Despicable Me Too. There's actually a lot of purple ones. And then there's none. <laughs> and then there's like, no, there's no female ones. Right? Yeah, well, they, Are there? that's one of the jokes that they make, where one of them dresses, dresses up as up, a yeah, female okay. one, and then that's kind of. I mean, the technically, end they probably the don't really have gender because they're little. They're I don't even know what they are. They're creatures, but. They're thingies. Um, they're single celled mm -hmm. organisms. I know the other day you had mentioned another comparison. Um, as far as character design goes with the Zootopia characters and how oh, well yeah. designed they were in oh, comparison. Oh man, I could talk for hours about the Zootopia characters where... They were just, wow, Zootopia it's was great. Not, yeah, it's not just with... Okay, first thing you got to go on with a lot of the characters, even like background characters in that movie. You, mm -hmm. you start off with animals, okay? So then they worked off of like, okay, what are the general personality types that these animals in real life are known for. It's like, okay, you got the crafty fox. That's probably one of the most obvious one. So then they, uh, they, they, have, they already have that established as a personality type for the fox. And mm -hmm. so then they design, made the rest of the design and his personality built, building off of that kind of stereotype, which is kind of the point of the movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's brilliant, but... Uh, they use that for even for a bunch of other like running for like running gags in the movie. Like they had this elephant and big things like ah oh, elephants are memorize everything without fail. And so the gag of that scene is that you have this elephant that is of no help because it doesn't remember anything. Oh yes. While the the stoner llama person. <laughs> Uh, somehow so is able to remember picture perfectly without even knowing it, and then makes a passing remark. Oh, oh man, I wish I had a steel trap of a memory like an elephant. Not even realizing that he actually does. And of course, the sloths, which were oh, heavily promoted in the marketing, funny. but they did a great job doing that. I remember that my parents or my mom especially wanted to see the movie because of the sloth siege. Oh, yeah. It was hilarious, and it was. It was really well done. Um, and the environments, 
but the characters were all very unique. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I really liked about how they did the animals in Zootopia was the proportions that they did. Yeah. The tall animals were tall, and the small animals were small, and they weren't all, like, the same size. Mm-hmm. And even in their world, you could see that the subway, I think, they had different sized doors oh, yeah. for people to get on, and everything was different sized, and that was mm-hmm. really interesting. Yeah, the... I actually have the art book from that, and I was reading through not too terribly long ago, where the biggest challenge in the, among the designer team was creating a one big mega city that accommodated um, uh, animals of virtually all sizes, mm-hmm. as well as from all climates, and yeah. how they got around all those different things. Well, okay, the big, the big design element that the big universal design element that they changed begrudgingly was that they gave all the animals thumbs. But other than other than that, it was they went to excruciating lengths to like, okay, you have this drink stand that sell, that's uh, manned by, say, a possum or something that sells general drinks to passerbys. How are they going to accommodate to the smaller ones? Okay, that's an easy one. You have like smaller cups and stuff. So, okay, so then how are you then at the same stand going to be able to accommodate to something super tall, like a giraffe, and you see one in the movie that have, like, this chute that elevates up mm-hmm. to where the giraffes can easily grab it without any trouble and problem solved. Like, lots of little, like, attention to detail design choices like that is why, is well, why I generally like Disney a lot, but particularly Zootopia, because it just has a lot of nitpicky. I, I even have to throw out that although I'm a little tired of the Frozen franchise and Olaf, mm-hmm. Olaf is a pretty good design if you think yeah, about the fact that is. although they could have gone with a traditional snowman shape, uh, which I that still... Would've, that would have been so easy for It would have been very easy. I still think that due to how popular Frozen became, I think if they had done a traditional snowman, it still would have been just as popular. Yeah. But the fact that they chose to do something a little different, the silhouette is pretty recognizable, mm-hmm. and it works very well for merchandise. And mm-hmm. you see Olaf everywhere. And of course the personality that they gave Olaf, and you know, he has his own song and all that, really helped. Yeah, and there is no doubt in my mind that they made him look different intentionally to make him stand out from any and all other snowmen in any else yeah and also the other snow creatures that she creates in the movie are more round and like traditional what you think of when you think of a snow thing and in the short frozen fever she has the like problem where when she sneezes like the little snot snow things come out those are those are all round makes me very uncomfortable (laughs) they're very creepy but those are also like traditional like snowballs yeah whereas olaf is like his head is like I don't even know so how to explain it's that. It's an odd shape. shape. It's a very it's odd shape. It's kind of pointy. Like a cross between a hair dryer and an egg. Yeah, it's a very interesting shape. But again, the silhouette is very recognizable. Mm-hmm. And um, because, of course, he has his nose and parrot and yeah. arms and stuff. But it just works really well. And the hairs, the like, three little hairs he has on his head. Three little tiny twig sticks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so... <clears throat> The cultural impact that Disney has had, both back in the day and now. Oh, yeah. Wow. So much impact, uh, culturally. Well, and it's just kind of grown more and more. We kind of already touched a lot about on it, mm-hmm. where with Snow White was a big phenomenon, and then a lot of the following movies were more of an establishment of like, okay, this is not just like a one-time 
fluke thing. Mm -hmm. We're going to we, continue to do we're that. Gonna, not only are we going to continue, we're going to successfully make great movies that are so good that they'll be regarded as the best movies. And classics. I think that Disney also has done something very interesting is that um, I saw, I don't remember who, but I did see it in a video where someone had mentioned something that Disney is one of the only studios in general to brand themselves on having a certain aesthetic, a certain mm -hmm. look, and a cer certain values more, I guess. Yeah. Um, they're very wholesome mm -hmm. for the family. They teach about dreams and magic and that type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, most other animation studios don't hold themselves to that type of standard. Mm -hmm. Although, of course, a lot of them are trying to appeal to a wide audience and stuff. I would say that Disney definitely is marketed upon magic and, like, you know, Mickey. I know in the parks they always say, it all, I don't want anyone to forget, like, it all started with a mouse and you have Mickey everywhere, like, the hidden Mickeys and all that stuff. Um, that was definitely something that I think is mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. They're, that <clears throat> idea that they can make it an image and ID and a message to reach mm -hmm. the company itself. Oh, man, Mickey Mouse. How have we gone through this entire thing without mentioning Mickey Mouse? The one of the most recognizable silhouettes of all time, along with Pac-Man and Mario. So, so let me see here on the professional list of things to talk about. Oh yes, the impact on well. I did touch on rotoscoping a little bit. Yeah, but the well, they've done a, Disney's done a really good job of incorporating their animation stuff outside of animation, where, mm -hmm. so they, they've done the pretty obvious ones, where like, yeah, they got uh, Disney licensed games and stuff, but they also have like theme parks and shows, shows lots and, and lots of television. Oh yeah, lots. We did talk about a lot of them, but shows like Phineas and Ferb and mm -hmm. Impossible and a lot of those, they've done a very good job at just becoming better with um, animation, animating things quickly, including 3D things now. Mm -hmm. Nowadays that's a staple for kids' shows. It used to be 3D was pretty much only reserved for, um, you know, movies the and stuff. expensive stuff. The expensive things. But now, I mean, Doc, Doc McStuffins, is that that's a show? Doc McStuffins? It's a, what is that? It's a show for kids um, about a little girl who's a doctor. She plays doctor. Another one that I know is popular with 3D hmm. is uh, Sophia the First. Yes, I have heard and of that And she one. even has cameos of other Disney princesses. Yes. It's kind of interesting to see them in their 3D form. So, yeah, that, yeah. It's uh, different from translating 2D, like, hand-drawn stuff to 3D, yeah. CG-generated, as opposed to going straight from 2D to live action. Yeah. It's, it translates easier. It definitely does. Um, another thing that Disney's impact is the animated musical idea. People oh, yeah. were not doing that before, and once Disney started, which of course Snow White was an animated musical, but even with their silly symphonies, everybody jumped on that bandwagon mm -hmm. as well. Um, what were the other ones called? I know, was it Warner Brothers, I think, had one of their own? Um, yeah, Warner Brothers did a couple. And but they had like other names that were similar, like yes. silly symphonies, one was like Magical Melodies or something like that. Yeah, and Magical like, Melodies sounds like it sounds familiar. I want to say that there was one that was something tunes, but uh -huh. that has definitely been, and you can see other companies trying the animated musical thing. Um, the Swan Princess, Quest yep. for Camelot, Road to El Dorado, and Anastasia are some notable examples mm -hmm. of the animated musical thing being, you know, something that everyone wants to yeah. try out themselves, especially with a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. 
Well, well, with a lot of that kind of thing, the Disney formula that you kind of touched on earlier, like using like music type stuff, it's kind of, I mean, well, it's not only it's a Disney staple, more or less, but it's really hard to pull off properly. Oh, it, it where really the is. The only like animated like music, well, not exactly music, but that has a lot of music in it that I can really think of that that I genuinely like. That's well, not super successful. Anyway, some uh, Prince of Egypt is an oh, yeah. animated definitely uh, one of my top by DreamWorks, mm-hmm. one of the best. We're super gonna talk about it. When oh we yeah, definitely. DreamWorks in a later podcast. I can't wait to talk about that. But anyway, um, uh, but musicals are hard Disney, to pull off. Yeah, Disney, I, I feel like has also known really when to also back off with some of that stuff. Yeah, what, like Atlantis is totally music free. Oh yeah, um, and, they've had other ones too that have you know no music, no people well, singing, and very very little. They've music. had musicals, and then they've had like movies where like one or two songs where they have music in the background but n- with none of the characters actually singing, singing it, yeah. it for, even like, Tarzan is technically like that because yeah. it's just Phil Collins singing mm-hmm. um, but musicals are definitely something that I think has helped Disney a lot because music I know I think for Frozen that's why it got so big is because of Let It Go mm-hmm. and I know there's other reasons for that movie growing big but Let It Go definitely helped and I think there's other movies I know when Lion King came, came out um, mm-hmm. I was I wasn't born then, but I know that when it did, my parents told me like the songs, everybody was singing the songs. Same with um, Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. I think it actually also got nominated for having such good songs, and it yeah. translated well to being a Broadway show because of that. And <clears throat> um, Disney definitely is able to market having their songs all over everything, and mm-hmm. um, it being such a big part of their branding i mean the whole like even like when you wish upon a star still yeah. used to this day in their parks their fireworks mm-hmm. shows and things like that um and of course you can sell soundtracks and you can sell yeah. uh, although like that. on the downside, moana too i mean they got a lot of oh, recognition because yeah. of the music and who helped make the music and things like that on the downside on some of that stuff i feel like uh they've they know when and when not to do music in movies, but not so much TV shows. Because I remember Phineas and Ferb, for the for the majority of like the first one or two seasons, they had little to no music. But then there was uh, one episode that I didn't like that had this super successful song in it. But and then from then on, Disney was like, "Okay, Phineas and Ferb people." You have to make a song for almost every episode now. But it's like all the, and you, I've noticed all the music uh, songs that they've had before that one episode are very memorable. And it's like, oh yeah, that is from Phineas and Ferb. But the majority of the ones after that, it's like, that was in Phineas and Ferb? What is that song? Definitely you have to be careful, any studio, when you use music, you have to make sure that it actually helps the story mm-hmm. along or has some kind of impact because I'm sure that Disney has even had movies where this, the music is good but doesn't really help. Yeah. You have to be Meet careful about the Robinsons, yeah. I, think, I feel was a good one because the song, the song is like genuinely good. My mom still has it on her iPod that she listens to from time to time but it's like it's just okay. It's just okay. I don't yeah. really remember it all that much either mm-hmm. but, but yeah. yeah. Musicals were definitely a big Ooh. thing. Yeah. That is big part of the Disney formula. Mm-hmm. And like you said before, the whole professional 
storytelling within animation mm-hmm. is such a big thing, and I think that's why Disney holds up so well. Yes. Um, other animation studios do really good work, but mm-hmm. some of it I, I think maybe isn't as timeless, the stories that they tell. Yes. Like a good example that I think off the top of my head, uh, did you ever see Mars Meets Moms? Mars Meets Moms. Mars, Mars Meets Bombs. I might have seen it. It was based off of a like a children's picture book by mm. Berkeley Breathed, guy who did Doom County and Red Ranger King Calling. Both stuff I cannot recommend enough. I also recommend the book, but I would not recommend the movie because <laughs> I feel like, well, okay, it's an adaptation movie, which already is like red flags, yeah, but at the same yeah. time, it took, it didn't know how to properly, it is a great, it's a great, honestly, if you think on paper, it's a great idea for a movie. It could have a lot of potential, a lot of fun, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, it just did, it, they just could not, something about the writing just felt weird and yeah. awkward and janky. I think another example, there's a lot of the ones that are coming out nowadays that are animated that mm-hmm. are, you can definitely tell. I mean, they might appeal to some adults, but like Trolls or Smurfs uh, or even Despicable Me, I don't think that type of story it holds up as well just because you can tell they're not trying to reach mm-hmm. up higher audience or film yeah. critics. They're just trying to make money, and they do make a lot of money. But I think that Disney has succeeded in doing things like Beauty and the Beast or Aladdin or Cinderella, yeah. te- you know, Tale as Old as Time, something that mm-hmm. just holds up really well. So, yeah. Even Snow White, uh, the story of Snow White is still being adapted to mm-hmm. this day by other companies in live action or animated or whatever. Um, and so I think that's something that um, a lot of studios lack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like everybody loves a good story and studios love to make money, so why can't they do both? Yeah, I think. Telling a timeless story can be hard, and I do think Disney did have the advantage of doing the thing with the fairy tales, because yeah. they basically were like, we're going to take these stories that are in the public <clears throat> domain and make them, and now they're our thing, and they're yeah. like the most memorable ones. Most of the time when I ask people about fairy tales, they'll tell me the Disney, the Disney story, versions. the Disney yeah. version straight through, and I'll say, well, that's not actually the story, the original is, you know, this, or this is a little different, but I think that's a very interesting thing, and that proves how successful they've been is that they can mm-hmm. get people to think that is the original story or that's yeah even the names of the characters you know the little mermaid in the original story to my knowledge i don't think she has a name yeah she's just she's the, just the little, little mermaid. mermaid but now if i said the little mermaid everyone would be like oh ariel yeah or in aladdin um <clears throat> aladdin is aladdin's name but the princess is not named jasmine to my knowledge i think she mm-hmm. either has a different name or she doesn't have a name at all or belle in beauty and the beast in beauty and the beast i believe that she's just called yeah, Bella. yes. Though Belle means it went, well, beauty. I believe it was beauty, and then she had like sisters that are called yeah. other or, like, um, or temperance or something. Let's see, Aurora, Sleeping yes. Beauty. She was she is called Briar Rose in the movie as well. Oh, really? In the anime, yeah, in the Disney movie. But so there's just a lot of characters like that, and I think that's something that's really interesting too. Is that those names are associated with the fairy tale characters, mm-hmm. even if that's not really their original name, so to speak. Hmm. Well, I am out of things to talk about. What about you, Grace? Are you out of things to talk about? (laughs) I think so, but we'll definitely be back next week or whenever the next Whenever we end up doing another podcast. Well, we're planning to have six episodes so far, so. And next, uh, for our next episode, we'll be doing 
Pixar. Yeah, Yay. Pixar. That'll okay. be really That'll be fun. Mm -hmm. It's not quite as, doesn't have quite as big a mountain of stuff to draw from as Disney, but no, definitely. it certainly has a consistent, ugh, a consistently good amount of stuff. And it's definitely a big impact on animation oh, yeah. and culture and things like that. Uh, so, any last words, Grace? No. We'll, well, well, we'll see you all. Thank you all for listening to our pretty good podcast. <laughs> see you next time in for another Methods to the Madness. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and like. Stay tuned for next week's episode because we're sure to have some more. But also share it with people that you know that might be interested in animation. Friends, family, enemies, whoever else. Uh, anyway, we'll see you next week. Bye!